Ladies and gentlemen, this is your boy, The Saint, and this is The Saint Says. Coming live and direct from Kansas City, Missouri, my hometown. Hope everybody had a good day today. It is now Sunday. And uh, there's football being played, but it's mostly an XFL now, if you're into that type of thing. Or basketball, or college basketball, or hockey, or anything that, that you know, will suffice until the NFL starts again. So, as you know, <laughs> the Chiefs won. I'm not bragging or anything, but they did. And uh, now we're all in uh, pre-Super uh, Bowl limbo. And we'll be like that until, you know, the summer's over. That's a long time, but not going to dwell on that. But tonight I'm going to talk about something that's going to be a little bit, it's a little bit of a story. There's a lot of serious stuff going on right now. Serious politicians, there's serious things being done. Everybody's got, everybody's tense and everything. Just really, really serious. And in the words of the late Heath Ledger Joker, why so serious? I tell you the truth, I think the more serious we get, the more dangerous we get. The more dangerous we get, the more people are going to drop. And uh, people are just yelling, yelling, you know, hear me roar and all that type of stuff. So I figured I would cut the monotony and tell you a story. And not just any story. It's a story that goes back to 2006. It involves me and my late mother. May she rest in peace. The story starts with my mother turning 70 years old. My mother was a, uh, she was... Well, not to be talking about her that she's dead, but she could be a stubborn lady. She was a uh, she was like a government can't move it. You know, he looks at you and you're like, yeah, and that's it. So, um, my aunt decided to throw her a surprise party, and um, my only job was to get her to the surprise party. Now, like I said, my mom never held her. Whatever comes up, comes out. She would call a woman a bitch before she says good morning, wrong. And she had, the, you know, the bitch thing. She said that about everybody that got on the nerves, including myself. So she's complaining. We're in the car. She's in my car, and I'm driving down the highway going from where she lived. And she's complaining, why the hell are we going to this wedding? Why the hell are we going to Because my aunt told her it was some kind of a kind of a party for some reason. I can't remember. It's been so damn long. but. And she's like, why don't you go to this party anyway? It's stupid. I need to stay in the house. I was like, Mom, Auntie said that you have to be there. And that's why I'm here to get you there. Well, yeah, I know that. But, you know, and she just went on and on and on and on. And she tore my damn ear off with all the complaining she was doing. So my brother and my sisters were already there waiting for her and me. And uh, we get there. And it turned out to be her surprise party. She had this look on her face like, oh, my God, you actually threw me a party. Oh, my God. And they had money on this little line or whatever and everything. Because my mother, for her 70th birthday, wanted to go to the great Las Vegas. Ah, yes, Las Vegas. Been there so many times it doesn't excite me anymore. My dad was a gambler. So he was also a truck driver. So anytime we went on the West Coast, we ended up in Las Vegas. We could be going to Seattle and still be in Vegas. 
That's just how much he loved Las Vegas in the game. Well, this one in particular was for my mother. And I was damn sure not going to let her go to Las Vegas by herself. Because people in Vegas tend to want to rob people when they don't live there. And that was not going to happen. So I was like, well, I'll go with her. Even though I don't like flying, I hate heights. I don't like, you know, the thrust of planes when they take off or even landing. It scares the holy hell out of me every time. But that's another story. Anywho, time goes on and my mom and, you know, me get the tickets to go to Vegas. Now, by this time, I have not been on an airplane in 12 years. This is before 9-11. So I'm, you know, a little bit, I'm completely nervous about getting on an airplane with any damn body. More or less, you know, people that you know, want to blow it up or something. So, of course, I'm a security officer. So I'm up checking everybody else. Like, you know, like the people in the baggage planes and stuff. I'm looking at him like, okay, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? This guy, <laughs> this guy, this sheet got on there. And he had, you know how those sheets were those little, those uh, turbans on their head and everything? Oh, that's my mom. Hey, 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 hey look, look, look at this. Look at this. She's like, what? I was like, he's wearing a turban. She's like, okay. I was like, there could be something on her there. She's like, boy, don't stop yelling, pointing at people. And of course, I'm over here. I'm like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I'm up here looking at him like, okay, let me see. You got any devices on you here? Because I am about to die going to Las Vegas. Not going to happen. So, <laughs> time goes on. We're on the plane. I'm looking up, and they always put me by the damn window. Don't ask me why, but they do. I don't like planes. I don't like seeing the engines. I don't like being on there, period. But they always put me by the damn plane or by the window. So I got the damn shade down, so I had to look out the window. And I'm looking around like I'm nervous to death. So my mom said something to me that I would never, ever, ever forget. She says, you need to drink something. I'm looking around like, you talking to me? <laughs> I feel like, Robin, you're talking to me? She's like, yes, I'm talking to you. You need to calm down. Drink something. Drink, drink a, some wine or something like that. I'm like, mom. You're asking me to get get to drink an alcoholic beverage. She's like, and your point? <laughs> so I'm like, shit, bad, okay. So who's to say? I'm like, don't. I'm like, uh, Forrest Gump. I'm like, well, I drunk me like fifteen dollars to Pelvis. No, I didn't do that. I drunk me two beers. And uh, I know most beers are pretty light, so they don't do anything but just sleep. But for some reason, this this beer was particularly different. And I did get a little tipsy. I didn't go off to the port like I'm gonna kick everybody there on the plane. I didn't do all that. But I did get a little, I was, I was a lot calmer. And I'm looking out the window, like I see birds come flying. I'm like, hey, look at that birdie. And my mom's looking at me, just cracking the hell up. And I'm like, why are you laughing at? It is not funny. And she's like, yes, the hell it is. <laughs> so we get into Las Vegas. We got there that night. And we had a layover in Utah, but that's, there was a boring story in Utah. So anyway, so we get to Vegas and it's night. My mom couldn't walk very well, so she asked the lady to get her a wheelchair to get us to a taxi so we can get to our hotel. We stayed at the Stratosphere, and uh, we get there, and this this airport is gigantic. I'm like, holy shit, this God, is huge. It was bigger than the last time I was there, I put it that way, because Las Vegas rolls overnight. So we get to the get to the taxi, and we get a guy that um, who has a very extremely bad older problem and me and my mom just looked at each other like someone needs to take a shower because <laughs> the, the car smells like a damn sweatshop but that's another story get to the hotel we get all settled in and 
our room is like looking out toward the, the Las Vegas strip and everything. And we're just taking it all in. Like, hey, we're in Vegas. Hey. So instead of us, you know, going downstairs like most visitors and start, you know, playing casino games and stuff, my mom wanted to stay in and go to sleep. But I'm like, Shit, I'm going downstairs. I hadn't been inside of a casino in Las Vegas the last time I was there. I was in, I was a teenager. So I'm like, Shit, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> you can't stop me, man. So I'm downstairs and uh, I'm going one of the casino machines. I'm, you know, playing slots and stuff. Because we were right down the street from the, uh, the Fremont experience. And I decided to walk down there just to see it. And it was, it was a show. Oh my God. I mean, I ain't never seen, I was, I, I mean, I've seen it before, but it's been like, it's been 12 years. So I was like, okay, wow, this is really, really, wow. How the hell they pay for all this? <laughs> you know, story that I have to tell you about this is the time that I and my mother got to see Tom Jones. Mr. Sir Jones, Mr. He, him. He's playing to the Mirage. And my mom wanted to go see him. So I was like, I said, Mom, you sure you want? My mom loved Tom Jones. She always, every time, oh, Lord, oh, Tom Jones, Tom Jones. Like, Ma, could you stop doing that, please? Because you're making me sick. She's like, I want to go see him. I said, okay, fine. So we go down to the Mirage, and uh, we're all doing our little dress stuff, you know, and everybody in there is like, 50 and over, and I'm probably the youngest person in the damn crowd, and probably the only man. So I was like, looking around like, damn, he's like a senior set for real. So Tom comes out, you know, Tom's wearing his little stretch pants or whatever, and he's got a little Afro perm thing going, you know, and, you know, he's, he's dancing around, but it's not like he used to. I know some people remember Tom Jones for being a very, very extremely dancey person. Uh I seen some of the videos. I was like, whoa, damn, Tom. Okay, calm down, man. So my mom, who know, knew about Tom Jones, told me that she can't dance anymore because he broke his pelvis. I was like, well, first of all, it's like TMI. I don't even know all this. But secondly, I was like, wow, okay, that's why he's not dancing around too much. So Tom goes on. Tom is doing all his greatest hits and stuff, and he did two sets. So the first set, we sitting up there, and we're all like, hey, you know, Tom lady. And then the lights go out. So I thought, and um, I'm like, what the hell's going on? I can hear the music. I can, I can, you know, hear the music and hear people clapping. And I'm just wondering why the hell the lights are out all of a sudden. So I reached up to my head and I felt something on my face. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? So I took off and this is completely embarrassing. So forgive me. I have PTSD over this. I reach up and I pull this garment off my head and it looked like a parachute. It turned out to be a pair of, a very large pair of women's panties that wrapped around my head twice. Yes, it was that damn big. And I'm all like, yeah. And I drop them on the floor. The people from me are behind me are just cracking the hell. My mom's over here dying. I'm like, mom, this, this, this ain't funny. Okay, this, this is damn sure not funny. Tom was still doing his set. So I know I'm here like right in front of him. So he could see the whole thing when it happened. So he took a break. And the people behind me are like, are you okay? I mean, are you, are you okay? I was like, hell no, I'm not okay. I just had a pair of undergarments wrapped around my damn head. I am completely just 
not here all, all of a sudden. I'm ready to, you know, like, oh my God. So it turns out the lady who threw the undergarments or the parachute pants, as I call them, walked over to my table and she's a plus size lady. And she's like, oh dear, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was trying to throw this up on, on, on the stage for Tom. Looked at her, you know, whisk to kill. She would have been, she would have been horse meat. I would have been like, I'm just looking at her like, you gonna throw these damn, these parachute pants or panties at this guy and it hit me in the head twice. Okay. So I was like, and I, and I, I can hear my mom saying, now you be nice. He threw panties at me and it insulted me. <laughs> okay. I'm up there like, what in the hell? That, why? Why? Why me? But that's not the, the biggest part of the story. After I gave this lady her garments back and was completely, you know, beside myself because this actually happened to me in front of all these damn people. Tom Jones comes back out. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, okay, good. It's over. You know, everybody got a good laugh. Ha ha he he. Everybody laughing at the same here. Okay, right. Let's get back to the damn show here. Tom Jones comes out. And he's at the top of the, he's on the stage. You know, he's got his little different stuff on. And he says, before I start my next set, can someone put a spotlight on this gentleman here? Talking about me. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Don't do this. Please do not do this to me. Do not do this to me. Let's try the spotlight on me. So not only did I get a normal suffocate from this lady's panties from grabbing around my head, now I have Tom Jones having a spotlight on me. Who's to say that I was completely embarrassed? And uh, he says, are you okay, son? <laughs> I'm like, uh, yes, Mr. Jones, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. He's like, well, I was doing a set and I seen those panties hitch in the back of the head. And I was like, holy crap. And I thought, he said, but I wanted to make sure you're all right. Or he said, you probably might have a little bit of bad drinks. And I have. <laughs> Every time I go to a damn, I go to like a, you know, like a thrift store or Walmart or something like that. And I see like undergarments that are bigger than my car. I start having flashbacks here. So I'm like, oh my God. So he's like, are you sure you're okay? I was like, I'm, I'm fine, Mr. Jones. Thank you very much. Everybody's laughing, you know. My mom is like cracking up and everything. She, I was like, my mom's a big fan of yours. She's like, oh, hi, Miami. She he kissed her hand and she's like, oh, Tom, it's so nice. Yeah, Tom, I just got to saw some, some parachute panties here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So he says, you're a very brave man. I said, thank you, sir. <laughs> so um, we sat back down and he did the rest of his sets. My mom had a good time. And um, I was completely uh, obliterated by some, some, you know, big girls undergarments. Not exactly a very big, you know, happy occasion, at least not for me. So I have had a lot of crazy stuff happen to me in that damn town. And I've had happen to me in Las Vegas that, you know, if someone tells you like some commie shit does it, you'll think it's a damn joke. Like, for example, 1987. I was about maybe, oh, see, I was 10, 13. I was born in 75, 85, 10, 67, about 12, 11, 12 years old. 13, actually. And um, of course, all casinos back in the day, and they still do, don't allow minors inside the casinos, at least on the floor. Well, my dad was in the casino playing craps. And like I said, I was on the road for him for the summer since he was a truck driver. 
and uh, I was getting tired of being in the truck. He left me in the truck, first of all. So I go up and uh, I get out the truck and I you know, walked into Caesar's Palace. And I'm looking around like, wow, there's a lot of shit going on here. It's loud as hell. People are smoking and it's just ugh, the worst bar I've ever seen. So I'm walking on the floor where all the, the tables are looking for my father. All of a sudden, this big old black dude come up there and grab me by the back of my neck and says, all right, what are you doing on this floor? I looked at him like, I'm looking for my dad. <laughs> He's like, you can't be in here. Okay, but I'm trying to find my dad. <laughs> he just couldn't understand I was trying to find my parent. So he proceeded to turn me around by my neck and walk me back to the door. So I did what any kid in that situation would do. I stomped his foot and I ran away. <laughs> I ran. I was running from, I ran for them damn security officers for an hour. And I was a little smaller then, so I could go underneath the table. And everybody was like, what's going on? What is this baby doing in here? And they're like, get up, get up, get up, you know. So all of a sudden, I'm just the big dude, the first one to grab me. He's like on my ass. I'm like, oh, crap. So I'm looking back at him. And I'm running. And I run into the back of this guy's leg. It was like, bam, and I fell to the ground, and he grabbed me, like, by my collar, and was like, you little bastard, you know. I'm like, let me go, let me go. And uh, the guy was like, whoa, what's going on? What's, 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 what's the problem? And he's like, this little heathen been running around the damn casino for the last hour. We've been trying to kick him out of here. And I'm like, yeah, and I, and I stomped your little foot, didn't he? He's like, I'm going to hurt your ass. So the guy was like, no, 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 leave him alone. Just let him, let him be a kid. So he looked down, he's like, what's your name, kid? And I told him my name. And uh, he was like, okay. And he looked at the looked at the guard. And he's like, is there any, any uh, arcades in this place? And the guy was like, yeah, there's one downstairs. He pulled out this wad of damn money. I mean, like, it had to be at least about 10 grand, if that. And I'm all like, oh, no. And I'm like, holy shit. He gives me $200. Two crisp $100 bills. And says, go downstairs and play, the, play those arcades until your dad gets finished. So what I didn't what I what I didn't know at the time that the gentleman that gave me this very, very large sum of money was Wayne fucking Newton. Donka Shane, Wayne Newton. Yeah. I was like, and I was thirty, I didn't know what that was, Wayne Newton was. So I'm like, well thank you, sir. And he was wearing his little his you know his tuxedo and he had a tie on, got the little mustache going, got the big pompadour hairdo. It was Wayne Newton, and he was with his wife. So I go downstairs. I was in that. I was in that arcade for about maybe five hours, just playing. And I had kids around me. I was playing this this Moonwalker game for Michael Jackson, and I was kicking ass. I, I won the whole game. You know, everybody was paying attention. Like, hey, what's up? So my dad, after he, you know, played this little craps, came downstairs and he grabbed me. He's like, "What the hell are you doing in here?" I was, I was looking for you. He said, I told you to stay your ass in the truck. I'm like, yes, sir. So he's like, what are you doing here? I was like, well, like I said, I was trying to find you. But this guy gave me $200 to play the arcades. So what guy? Like I said, I didn't know it was Wayne Newton, so I just kind of gave him this description. And my dad's like, it's not like Wayne Newton. I was like, is that what his name is? He's like, you ain't me no damn Wayne Newton. I was like, Dad, I got $200 right here. I spent about maybe 60 of it, but I have it still here. And everybody's like, he's like, yeah, right. I, you know, got, I was like, my dad thought, maybe thought I was a thief or something. I was like, no, this really happened. 
Okay. So we left and, um, you know, he didn't believe me. And I tell that story now, everybody was like, damn, you bet me. I was like, well, sort of, I ran to the back of his leg. So time goes on and so do I. And another time I came to Las Vegas, there was a high roller game going on. What I mean by high roller, I mean, people that have like, there are millionaires and billionaires are playing at this one casino at this table playing a game of poker. And um, they had at least $100,000 in chips in front of them. At least that's what they started with. And some of them are in their little tuxedos or whatever kind of clothes they can afford because they can, and so on and so forth. So they had this big old um, line behind this, you know, behind this garter or this uh, you know, little line thing, I guess, to keep the crowd back. And me and my father and my stepmother were sitting there watching them play. I've never seen that many people watch a bunch of billionaires play a bunch of play a bunch of cards, but, but I guess it was important. So as the guard, one of the guards, was bringing over the money in his cage, the chips fell out. It fell on the floor, right in front of me. And I'm like, I felt it hit my foot. I was like, the hell's that? And like I said, I didn't know I was a kid. Okay, so before I even say this, the chip itself was worth about maybe uh, roughly $10,000. But I didn't know that. So my dad, being the person that he was, he, he nudged me. He's like, pick that damn thing up. I'm like, I'm not picking that up. Hell, it's a casino. They grab me. I'll chop my damn arm off or something. So um, the guy who the chip belonged to, up from his table and walked over and picked it up. He says, wow, it's $10,000. And like I say, he's a millionaire, so he don't give a rat's ass. And I thought maybe he'll be kind and give it to me because it did fall right on my foot, damn near. Oh, no. He gives it to the old lady next to me. She like she was probably pushing 100. She could probably die from the, from the shock alone. And um, he gave it to her. And I'm like... And my dad looked at me like, you son of a bitch. You know, you know I've, I've, like I said, I've had a lot of weird crap happen me in Vegas. I, um, it's gotten to the point now that, I mean, some, you know, how people get always like, oh, we got to go to Vegas. Yeah. Me, I'm like, hey, we're going to Vegas. Woohoo, Vegas. Else, yeah. So, and, <laughs> but the only reason I would be excited to go if we ever do, if I ever do again, is to take my wife. My wife, I love your wife has never been to Las Vegas. She hadn't been to Nevada. I'll put it that way. And I'm just like, oh yeah, you're gonna be like, holy shit, what the hell, why the hell, how the hell do you get all this stuff here? And I kept, I told her stories about like, when I was younger going to Vegas and staying at Circus Circus for my stepmother's family union, and that was fun. I got propositioned by a few hookers here and there, and I was still a teenager. And, uh, I, you know, I got, uh, I, I took a picture with a bunch of Elvises outside of the, um, the, uh, the dunes before they tore it down and it's all kind of crazy crap. You know, only in, like they say, only in Vegas to tell you, to tell the story outside of Vegas, somebody ain't going to believe you, but it did happen. And, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but the one story with me and my mom and Tom Jones, I was like, 
I'll be telling that to my grandchildren. Yep, I remember a long time ago. I got that's a van wrapped around my head and cut a Tom Jones. And he was, and he was actually, he was really nice about it. Or he could have been like, "Holy hell, man, you got nothing." But he says, um, and he actually said to me, he said, "Thank you for taking the blow for me." Saying that, you know, if he would have, the panties would have ran hit him, he probably would, you know, be dead or something, you know. So I was like, uh, you're, you're welcome, Mr. Jones. I, I would like taking a bullet for a blender or something, I guess. So, um, so yeah, it was, you know, but Vegas is, you know, if you've never been to Vegas, you'll be just, your mouth will be on the floor the entire time you're there. And you'll be just like, holy hell. And like, and I, and I've, you know, like I said, I've been there a few hundred times, so I, so it doesn't excite me, but other people. But I thought about that today. I was, um, I watched this, uh, TV show, uh, with the late uh, James Kahn, may you rest. And it's not a bad show. It's very funny. Sometimes it can be, you know, serious, and then sometimes it's pretty funny. And I just got into it, and I'm just like, why the hell did I watch this show when it was on the air? It was on NBC. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I've been to every state in this country. So I've been to Vegas so many damn times. Like I said, it doesn't even get me no more. I go to Reno, and it's like, oh, hey, Reno, yay, Reno. Anybody else that hasn't been there, you're like, oh my God, we're going to Vegas. Yeah. I've seen women, you know, like they were good. They have like a bachelorette party or something. And this girl flashed me once and I was still 13. And my dad's like, stop staring. Even though my dad was staring harder than I was. <laughs> and I'm just like, dad, why are you staring? Are you you staring. That's why I'm, I'm staring. I've, I've um, seen a, um, seen a, like a, this Rolls Royce that used to belong to Liberace. And it was at the uh, the Flamingo. And it was sitting, like you walk in the door, it was just right there. It had diamond studded mags. The inside looked like it was like the Corinthian leather type of thing, whatever. Real nice ass car. And it had like a little thing around it so nobody could touch it. And uh, they were guarding it. And I was like, I said, excuse me, sir. He's like, yeah. I said, whose car is this? He's like, it's Liberace's. I was like, oh, Liberace, yeah. No wonder why it's sold out. Okay. So I asked him, I said, well, how much is this car? Anyway, he looked at the car. He looked at me. He says, well, I've been, I, I used to work for Liberace as a, as a guard while he was you know, playing here at the Flamingo. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. He says, so, son, this car behind me, it's worth anywhere from one to two million bucks. It was a Rolls Royce. And I was like, two million dollars for this. He's like, yes. I was like, is he buried in it? <laughs> He's like, no. He said, but the car, all the cars he showed in his show, they were custom made for Liberace, you know. So he says, so this one ain't no different. He just gave it to us to put in the casino since he, you know, he died and everything. So I was like, two million dollars for our car. He's like, well, yeah, but you got to understand it's a Rolls Royce, first of all. Secondly, he had, I mean, all the rhinestones and the, I mean, everything on the car was worth something, okay? And if, you know, if I was short, I could walk right underneath the line and just you know, grab something, but they probably shot me. But yes, two million bucks for a damn Rolls Royce that was encrusted with a bunch of diamonds and rubies. Pure Liberace stuff. And it was just like, damn. So... Then there was a time, and my dad knew I, I 
I, I'm scared of heights. Just scared to death of heights. And uh, we were um, we were driving. We were, we were actually going to California. And uh, we stopped off in Nevada. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm a sleeper. I'm in the back of the sleeper of my dad's truck. And I'm asleep. I'm knocked, I'm knocked the fuck out. <sighs> Snoring and everything. So I get out the truck. And I, you know, stretching everything. I look out. And there's nothing but sky. So I was like, what the hell? I'm like, oh, my God. He parked on the Hoover Dam. <laughs> okay? With this big-ass semi. I was like, Dad, where the hell are we? <laughs> he was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. We're in Hoover Dam. I was like, and there was no other place to park besides on the damn dam? <laughs> damn, damn. He's like, well, son, are, is this, are you right? Are you, are, you, are you okay? I was like, no, I am not okay. Because he parked so damn close to the, to the top. I was like, holy, you know. So I was like, why park here? He's like, it was the only place that was open. Ah, my father. God, old heathen. But yeah, so we were on the Hooper Dam. And I looked all the way down, even though I got sick as hell after I did it. And we took the tour. We went down into the, you know, where the Transformers are. And, they, you know, described how, they, how long it took them to make it. And how much it takes to keep it occupied and stuff like that. And it's a major, major reason why all the lights are on in Las Vegas because of the Hoover Dam for energy reasons. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I probably, I've, you know, I've probably been to Vegas a few billion times. And it's, uh, it's a city that if you don't know anything about it, you will be scratching your head the entire time you're there. Just, just that crazy. And now it's probably got even crazier because now they have a professional football team there, the Las Vegas Raiders, which I would never thought in a million damn years the Raiders would play anywhere besides Oakland or, or Los Angeles. So when they were talking about it, I was like, ain't no way in hell they're going to go to fucking Las Vegas. Well, here we are. <laughs> and they, they play in Las Vegas. I'm like, wow. But, I mean, it's more money for for the city, I guess. I don't know. But their stadium is badass. I love that stadium. I was like, damn, it's like Darth Vader's bathroom or something. It's, it's awesome. And I finished it. I was like, ooh, my best friend is a Raiders fan. So, of course, he's like, I'm going to Las Vegas. I'm going to Vegas about the, about the Raiders game and stuff like that. I was like, where are you going there to see him lose? You can sit down on TV. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't like that very much. So, yes. Um, but, yeah, the, the story with my mom and, and me getting my, my head caved in by a bunch of by this lady's panties was something that every time every time her birthday came around, my mom mentioned that. She was like, I can't believe that woman just I was like, Ma, I was there. Okay, you ain't got to give me the, the give me the Howard Coast sale like this is what happened to Mr. Buck Saint. He had the tire thing around his neck like he was gonna die. I don't need all that. Okay. So I'm like you stop bringing him up please. He's like, it didn't happen to me. I was like, exactly. So why are you talking about it? So, and my mom, being the person that she was, she didn't keep anything to herself. So the rest of the trip, we're in our room, and she's every time she looked at me, she says, ah. I'm like, think about the, the, the whole candy thing, or two. She's like, yes. And she told people on the plane, my son was at a top corner, and me was sitting there in the front, and these damn ladies' undergarments wrapped around her head, and oh, my God. I'm like, oh, why, why, why am I, why am I here? So who's to say that I had PTSP, post-traumatic stress from panties flying at your head? 
Because I was like, what the hell is going on here? But I've had so many damn, I've had adventures in other places too. And I've, you know, I've seen things that you know, it was just really hard to believe, especially being around my dad all the time. And uh, I guess that's the, that's the, you know, the privilege I had from having a, a gentleman or a father that has been over, over this whole entire nation several thousand times over. And like I said, anytime we were in the West Coast anywhere, it could be freaking Oregon, we would end up in Las Vegas. And I and my dad drove tractors like people drive cars. He did stuff with trucks. I was like, how in the hell did you do that? And um, he used to um, he used to do he was he was a long hauler, so over the road. So one one year, I was on the road with him and I was driving with him, and we were supposed to be going to uh, Seattle, Washington. And I I fell asleep. My dad was like, go back there and fall asleep. You're falling asleep in the chair. So I went to sleep. Every time I go to sleep, something weird happens. So I go back there and I fall asleep. I wake up about four hours later. I'm rubbing my eyes and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, oh, wow, we're already here. That's great. Oh, no. No, you're in Vegas. I was like, Dad, what are we doing in Vegas? You're supposed to be in Seattle. So I'll go up there. Okay, if you say so. And um, my dad probably had the worst poker face I've ever I've ever seen. I mean, like of anybody. It's, it makes you think, okay, he is getting his ass completely handed to him and he'd be winning. And uh, one night he was up there. I, I you know, one of the times I did sneak into a casino. I seen him, I seen him sitting at the craft table and he's got his hands on his head. He's sweating like a damn slave. Just the fuck off. I'm looking, damn, he's losing a lot of money. So time goes on, he goes back out to the truck. I was like, so dad, how much do you lose? He looked at me like, lose? I was like, yeah. I was like, you look like you have a heart attack at the damn table. He said, boy, I went like $3,000 damn dollars. I'm like, I, I, excuse me. <laughs> He's like, yes, I won $3,000. I was like, then why the hell do you look like you just, you about to bury your best friend out there? He's like, you really think I'm going to walk in there and be like, hey, let's do this. No, he said, you can walk into a casino, especially in Las Vegas like that, because they will, they will be happy to get your damn money. You have a poker space the entire time you're here. And I was like, well, yours is like a, so you should win an Oscar. You just, oh my God. He was like, had his head on like, oh my God, we're losing. And we wasn't losing. He was getting, he was kicking ass, but you could have done that. <laughs> so it was like, damn. So I, um, I have a, I have a fondness for Vegas in my heart. I'll put it that way. And being that I lived in the, in the West Coast, California for three years, you know, I, I adopted both states as my, my second and third home, hometown, let's just say. Kansas City will always be my hometown. I was born here. I was raised here. Hopefully I won't die here, but you never know. But California and Las Vegas have been a predominantly big figure in my upbringing. Not only because my dad was my dad's favorite place to go to any time we were in the West Coast, but it was also because I feel every time I go there, he's there with me. I went to, uh, I actually drove to uh, California in 2012 in my GMC Sierra, which I highly never recommend doing because if you don't have any money or a job, that's going to be a long damn trip. But anyway, I drove out there and I had to stop in Vegas. So I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, wow, dad, I'm here again. 
And I could just hear him saying, well, go to the damn Bosquino, casino or something like that. I'm thinking, no, I'm trying to get to California. I'm not, I'm not messing around with anything down here. And, uh, you know, it's just, like I said, it's, it's a near, dear place to me. And I loved it. And because of him loving it, that's why I sort of love it, too. Because he won a lot of money there. He lost a lot of money there. And uh, something that, you know, I've seen firsthand and I've seen, I've heard it firsthand and you know and it's you know it's a, it's a beautiful state i mean i tell people that vegas and utah are sisters utah they got their mormons they don't gamble they don't drink even though i've seen it happen but they say they don't do anything there and then you have las vegas nevada it's like drinking smoking having sex with everybody two totally different states but they're both sisters and brother so it's um that's a very, very fond place for me. I, I love Las Vegas. So I um again thought I would come on here and talk it out because I will think about it until I do. But does anybody else have a favorite state they like to go to or just want to live at? I have several. I have uh, Kansas City, of course, being the biggest one. But I've lived in California. I lived in Tennessee. I've uh, lived in um I lived somewhat, I lived in New Jersey, and um, and that's about all. You know, I've, I've had family scattered all over, but, you know, I lived there, actually. So, you know, it's just uh, everybody has their favorite states to go to, and some are where they are. It's their favorite. Some might be, you know, some may be living in a state that they, they love the most because they've been there their whole lives. And Cal in Kansas City, it's always going to be my home. It is. Even though crime here is rapid as hell and um, people are shooting each other just for the hell of it, like the OK Corral or something. And things are like that everywhere, though. So it's not just me and my state or my, my city. It happens everywhere. It's probably just worse, that's all. So I am, um, and, and to, and the biggest thing that came out of that Tom Jones thing was the fact that the man put a damn spotlight on me. <laughs> I was like, oh, come on, man, damn. Don't let the whole people see me, please. Oh, Lord. But it was fun, though. I mean, I, I think about it now, and it's one of those things that you think about when, you're, when I, I think about when my mom pops in my head. You know, I think about what good times we had, and the plane ride going there and coming back was even crazier because um, they sat me next to this guy, and I am not bullshitting. He looked like Ivan Drago. I was waiting for him to say, I don't break you, and then hit me outside the head or something. He was, I mean, he had that high top fade. It was blonde. He was tall as a damn, like, freaking redwood. And, of course, they put him right next to me. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, well, hey, how, how you doing? Uh, where's Rocky? <laughs> you know, is this a sequel going on here? I mean, he was huge. And I didn't pay attention. I didn't even see him out in the lobby before we got on the airplane. Because my mom looked set in a, a different part of the airplane because they couldn't get a seat next to each other. So I'm sitting up there like, okay, well, you know, that's fine. And they put me by a window seat again. Shoot me. So I'm playing. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be cool. It's going to be all right. I'm going to go to sleep. You know, be all right. Then all of a sudden I hear, you know, this guy walks on there. I'm looking at him like, oh, crap. Holy hell. He, I mean, he had a meaner. He had the, the jaw and the tallness and everything. And, you know, I'm just like, Damn. 
and they sat his ass right next to me. So I'm just like, oh boy. I was like, okay. And he's like, and he's and he was American, so just in case you, you know, wondering. And uh, you know, I, I was like, how you doing, sir? He's like, I'm doing fine, buddy. How are you? I was like, oh, I'm I'm doing short. <laughs> he was tall. I was like, damn. Now, and of course, I'm a curious guy, so I'm like, I said, um, if you mind me asking, how how tall are you? Six nine. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he's like, no, really. I was like, do you like, are you like a bodybuilder or something? Because you look like you could probably bitch press a truck. And he started laughing. He was like, no, he's actually, and I, again, I thought he was bullshitting. He says that he was a lawyer, a six foot nine lawyer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. He's like, no, really, I am. He's like, I've been, I've been a law, you know, a lawyer for about 10 years. We talked the whole time on the way back to uh, back to uh, Utah because we had a Utah layover, and I'm like, okay, well, but you don't look like. He's like, yeah, I know you don't. I don't look like a, a lawyer. I, I get that a lot. He says, in fact, I know a lot of people think that. I was like, look like Ivan Drago. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I said, you got that? Got the hair going? You want a stunt double or something? I mean, you look just like him. He's like, yes, I know. My mom tells everybody. He, that's my son. He looks like Ivan Drago. I'm looking at her like, Mom, stop telling people that because Ivan Drago was Russian. And of course, we are, us Americans here are not into Russians. So, but yeah, he was a real nice guy after I got the doll. And uh, he sat back and he had to put his, he had to get him a, like a seat that was like up front because he couldn't stretch his legs out. He was just that damn tall. So, who's to say that um, he was going to, uh, I think he said he was going to Mexico. No, not New Mexico. He was going to Texas. That's what it was. Because, like I said, we had a layover in Utah. And we sat there and talked to Dr. Doug. And I told him, my mother, being my mother, told him the story about the Tom Jones thing. And I'm like, how many people are you going to tell this story to? She's like, anybody ask me? I'm like, look at my son. He got hit by a pair of draws. I'm like, oh, my. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know I'm not the only one that had embarrassing stories. I know a lot of people that have ones that are way crazier than mine. And it's uh, something that <laughs> that you think about when both of your parents, especially when both of your parents are no longer here. Just think about the good times, you know, just try to keep yourself, you know, from snapping on somebody and going on a killing spree or something, you know, which is why I said this is going to be a far less serious, you know, saint says than the ones I've done already. Because who the hell wants to hear about bad shit 24-7. I don't. I, I get tired of hearing, I'm like, can someone just give me a story about a baby that you know, that, that lived or whatever, or you know, this cat got picked up on, on the side of the highway. My favorite animal right now is a sloth. And my mother-in-law gives me sloths all the time, so I'm like, oh god, I love these. And, you know, I, I, I told my wife, if I ever see a baby sloth, we're taking it home. And she's like, the hell we are. I was like, okay. I'll stick that ass in the car. I don't give a damn. And they're so cute, and they're slow. And they got hooks, <laughs> you know. So you know, and I've I've had more embarrassing stories than that, but that one was the one that popped in my head today for some reason. So I know I'm not the only one. So if you want to chime in and you know tell your story of how something happened to you, and it's like why me, why me, I'll be happy to listen to it because I because like I said, I got a thousand damn stories. Good stories, but like I said, I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom tonight. 
Okay. I'm trying to be a person that that you know looks like or sound like I'm human here. Not to you know completely embarrass myself, but if I can get a laugh out of somebody by telling a story like that, then I've done my job. I've uh, you know, as long as they're not laughing at me or something, just laughing at the story I'm telling, that's great. That's awesome. So, and um, it's uh, something to break the monotony of everything is so damn serious right now. You can't be you can't be funny without pissing somebody off. You can't talk about something without pissing somebody off. And it's like, what the hell am I going to do here? No, tell me because I I don't know. And if you and the way things have been the last three or four years. It seems to me that we are trying to find different ways to start war. War, war, war. Everybody wants to be at fucking war. And it's, it's, it wears you down. It makes you, it, it makes you older. You know, about that and you worry about your own problems and you worry about somebody throwing a scud missile over here to kill us all. It's good to bring up stuff that's, that's, that was good. You know, that's like something that makes you think about the good times, not like making, oh, great, here we go again. It's like type of. You hear the same thing over and over again, you get tired of hearing it. Politics is probably the biggest thing right now with that, which is why I don't do politics on the show, because it only takes so much for a person to start snapping and cussing you out and everything else. Trust me, I know. So, but that story is something that, I, you know, I mean, I mean, okay, imagine the, the I mean, they wrapped <laughs> The panties wrapped around my head twice, okay? When I unfolded these damn things, it kept going. I was like, holy shit. And then the lady that came up to me, I was like, okay, I can see that now. Because she was not, she was not a, she was not a small lady. And she apologized. And I thought, I was like, ma'am, this is no big deal. Well, yes, it is a big deal. I was trying to throw them. And her husband was with her, if you can believe that. And he's like, I told her not to throw those damn things, but, but no, you got to throw them at Tom. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, throw it. And, and she tried it, and I got assaulted. So it was just like, okay, what the hell is going on there? But yeah, but stories like that is, you know, like I said, breaks the monotony of all bad shit. And, you know, you think something that, especially right now, in this day and age, you think about anything to keep you away from what's going on right now, which is doom and gloom 24-7, 365. No one is happy right now. Everybody's pissed off or mad or upset about something. I wonder we're all not on all on anxiety pills. So, as I said before, if I could say something or something that sounds funny, then you know, then a person actually gets a smirk out of it or just full belly, belly laughs at it. Okay, that's fine. No big deal. You ain't laughing at me. You're just laughing at the story I'm telling, and that's perfectly fine. So, because, I mean, you get tired of hearing about all this doom and gloom all the damn time. And we've been hearing a lot of it. I mean, you can't turn the TV on without thinking, seeing somebody decide to do a mass shooting or some teenager gets, you know, gets snatched off by sex predators and all that kind of crap. You get tired of hearing that shit all the time. So people think about stuff that happened before they became who they are, which is probably a good thing. You know, I think about stuff like um, hanging around my friends and, being in school, even though I didn't, I couldn't stand school. Um, you know, ride my ten speed or anything, anything better than what's going on right now. And 
it takes me back to a time and and now I know why my mom and my dad kept saying, well, I just missed the 60s and 50s because they were so simpler time. I missed the 80s myself. I'm a big 80s person. I mean, just anything that has 1980 in it, I'm just like, okay, what's, what's going on? Just I want to know. So I probably remember it, you know. And all this technology that these kids now have, their their heads always down. And you know, you try to tell them a story like, yeah, yeah, and they just type it away and not paying to a damn thing you saying. And you know, and but you know, people can relate to stuff like I just said or something that happened to them. And we used to, we're in cloud nine. Because uh I, I have had I had visions of the the century being a lot better than the last one. And in all actuality, it's worse. And people are getting worse. And things as a whole are just not good at all. They really are not. So it's something that, uh, you know, telling stories like that. And also, uh, you know, trying to think, like I said, of good stuff. You don't want to more yourself down. You might have family that, you know, they're always out or they're always asking you to do stuff and you don't have the time or the patience for it. And you think about when you were, you know, a hundred pounds lighter and you, could, you were athletic and you ran track, you played basketball, football, baseball, whatever. And, you know, you had to, you know, you had to you know, the body to do all that and stuff. And now you look at yourself and it's like, where the hell did the time go? And now I know why my mom and dad used to say that stuff. Because I long for those years of the 1980s. I really do. This, this century has, you know, really fucked up a lot of people. It really has. And now I figure, okay, so my mom and dad can do it, and so can I, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes it was great, and sometimes it was just, it was a struggle. I mean, we're struggling more now than back then. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on now that I wish to God, I'm like, you know, Come on. So it's a um it's a good story I just told. And I ha I mean I've had stories like, say for example, um my best friend was in was in he was in college, Chicago. And this is right at the height of Jordan's reign as the Chicago Bulls. So he invited me out to Chicago to, you know, come to a game. So I'm thinking, you got a game too? He's like, yeah. They got from his job. Or his, his internship, I should say. So I get to Chicago and we go to the game and of course the Bulls whoop whoever the hell they were playing his ass. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And he had backstage passes. So we're walking around back there. I'm like, damn, I can't believe I'm in here. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I come around the corner and there he was. Michael freaking Jordan. Head is back to me. And I'm up here. I'm like, I'm holding. I'm like, dude, 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 dude. It's like, yes, I see him. I'm like, this is Michael Jordan. I'm up here like, I'm about to meet Michael Jordan. And I was like a footstep away from him. I could have tapped him on his shoulder. He would have turned around like, Michael Jordan. I get really close to him to do exactly that. And all of a sudden, Someone must open the blonde girl gates because every damn girl, like, oh, my God, I'm Michael Jordan. Oh, my God, I don't know what you do, but you're so cop. You're so homie. Oh, my God. And it kept going backwards and backwards and backwards. 
opposite of what I was trying to do before the blonde bimbo showed up. And these guys kicked us all out. So I'm on the damn L and back to my friend's house. I got my hand, my palms in my hand. I'm like, oh my God. He was like, man, don't worry about it. It's just, it's, you know, it's just a man. I was like, don't you ever say that again. Okay. Never. Don't ever say it again. He's like, what? I was like, I had a chance to meet the greatest basketball player ever. Ever. <laughs> okay. I could have got, got a picture with him. I could have got an autograph. You know, I could have just got, hello, how are you doing? I would have said with that. But no, blonde ambitions show up and they're like, oh my God, Michael Jordan, oh my God, you're so hot. And I'm like, you are, ugh. <laughs> I'm going to grab you by your head and just twirl you around like a damn top or something. And he messed it up for me. So I'm like, ugh, some bitch. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but if I, you know, like I said, if I tell stories like that and people are like smirking and like, oh my God. Then, like I said, I've done my job. I, I, you know, I have no problem people laughing at the stories I tell because they are kind of far fetched. They are true, though. And um, you know, just uh, stuff that I did in my in my younger days, and you know, doing this, doing that. So it's um, just what I do, I guess you'd say. So does any, is anybody even up? Because I'm. You know, I'm on here and I figured I'd get on early enough, so I won't be on here like to the crack of dawn, even though it's two o'clock in the morning here. You know, I figured, you know, to get this off my head, I will share it off you on the wisdom app here. So, um, other than that, uh, I've, you know, had a long day today. It was, um, you know, my wife's birthday is next week. And uh, she is a <laughs> she's a leap year baby, so in actual reality, her birthday is not until next year, which I had she had to explain it to me because I never you know, dated or married a leap year or anything. So when she explained to me, I was like, okay, so your your birthday only comes every four years. She's like, yeah. I said, okay, and I was dead serious, and it's still a running joke with both of us, but it's true though. I said, do not ever tell anybody that outside of you and me and your family. And she was like, why? I said, because people are stupid. They will hear that and they'll be like, oh my God, you are just a sick son of a bitch. You can look at my wife and tell she's of age. Okay, you can tell she's of age and we're both the same age and everything else. But people open their mouth before they open their brain. And they will be like, you are pedophile. And I'm like, she's a, look at her. <laughs> you dumbass, look, look at her. And they believe it or don't believe it, I don't know. So, but yes, uh, you know, one of those things happens and story time and all that kind of good stuff. So I figured I would get on here and talk this out, get off my brain and go about the rest of my day. So I hope that you all have a nice rest of your weekend. Hope you enjoy my story, even though it kind of ramble on. I'm sorry about that. I, I get that a lot. And um, to Tom Jones, if you're listening, I'm, you know, thank you for your, you know, encouraging words of asking me if I was okay. I'm fine. Still got PTSD, and you know, every time I see a you know garment in a laundry mat or something, I scream like a little girl and like, oh my god, you know, stuff like that. 
So uh, you guys will have a rest, nice rest here. And um, I'll see you when I see you. This is The Saint for The Saint Says on Wisdom. <laughs>